0: Welcome to The John Chapman Show, where we talk about the path of a wealthy millennial, uncovering the truth about building and protecting your nest egg. Join us on this journey as we hear the stories of millennials and mentors alike to help you plan, manage, and protect your wealth. John is an employee of WorthPoint LLC. All opinions expressed by John and podcast guests are solely their own opinion and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of WorthPoint. This podcast should not be relied upon for investment decisions and is for informational purposes only. How are you going to put your kids through college and pay for their higher education costs? Well, today we're going to talk all about college saving tips and the use of a 529 college savings plans. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's John Chapman. And today is all about trying to wrap our head around the just explosive cost of higher education. In the state of California today... In 2019, a private four-year university can cost up to $50,000 per year, and that is just tuition and books alone, not counting any food or travel or extraordinary expenses. And the average student today graduating has over $30,000 of student loan debt, There's over a trillion dollars in outstanding student loans in the United States, affecting more than 44 million people, all according to Forbes. And in the past decade or so, the inflation rate of higher education has been growing at over 8% compounded per year. (laughs) So if your brain has not completely blown off right now, Then let's talk more about how the heck we're going to save enough to pay for these expenses for our kids sometime in the future. And what a gift it would be if you actually could start saving right now, compound enough money, and have a strategy to actually put your kids through college and give them that gift of higher education. That would really be meaningful and not saddle them with thousands and thousands of dollars in debt. So today we're going to talk really specific about the 529 College Saving Account. It has some unique benefits to it, which I think you'll find interesting. We're going to talk just simply what it is first. And then let's talk about how you can use it in the future. And last, we'll start with some practical ideas for some saving strategies and investing strategies to get you where you need to be in the future. The 529 account was created in 1996 by Congress as a tax-incentivized way to help parents save for their kids' higher education costs. As it stands today, the 529 account is essentially a Roth IRA, but for college expenses. Let's break down what I mean by that. For the majority of folks, you put money into the 529 account after it has been taxed. So you've received a paycheck, you had taxes withheld, now you've got money in your checking account. It's that money in your checking account that is going into the, the 529. And then that money can sit there, it'll be invested in some mix of investments for a period of years, and it can grow on a tax-deferred basis. You're not going to pay anything on the dividends and in interest or the growth, And then in the future, assuming it's grown and your child is now needing to use this money and spend it, you can completely take it out tax-free so long as it's being used for qualified educational expenses. We'll get into those fine details in just a moment. But again, the 529 account is unique because you can put it in after tax and grow it completely tax-free in the future. I will note that there are over 34 states that could give a state tax deduction. What I mean is, let's say you've got $100,000 of gross income from work. You won't get any federal tax deduction. I mean, you can't get any write-off from your federal tax return on that $100,000. But on your state tax return, 34 states actually allow you to take a deduction if you are putting money into your state of residence's 529 account. Certainly, there's some area of opportunity if you live in one of these 34 states, but some of the bigger states like California or Washington don't have a qualified state tax deduction for their state 529. So it's not something I focus a lot on and won't focus a lot on for this episode. Really, we're going to consider using the boilerplate national plan for the 529 that does not have any type of state affiliation to it and hopefully that reduces some of the confusion so we've talked a little bit about what it is essentially a Roth for college savings let's talk about how you can actually use this money the qualified educational expenses so the IRS has outlined a number of categories that you can and cannot use this money for what it does cover what you can take money out for are things like tuition, books, and on-campus housing, and then things like supplies, maybe a computer or a printer for the dorm room. What it doesn't cover though, are things like uh, smartphones or transportation to and from school. It does not let you take money out tax-free for repayment of student loans. And it's not gonna cover any study abroad or other activities like health clubs or sporting events. So armed with this information, we know that we can use a 529 for really specific costs, but there are also plenty of other extraordinary costs that it doesn't cover. So let's start talking about how you can get the most of the 529 and how much money you should actually be putting into this account in the first place. Oddly enough, there's no hard and fast contribution limits within the 529 like there would be let's say with an IRA account or a 401k. As you recall the 401k sets an upper limit a, a contribution maximum of $19,000 per year for people under age 50 and an IRA account lets you put into up to $6,000. A 529 leaves it open and so what ends up we default to is the gift tax exclusion amount. For those that aren't aware, the IRS allows for you to exchange money back and forth between people. It doesn't have to be family members, but you can essentially give some other person in cash $15,000 per year without having to record that on either of your tax return. So as it relates to the 529 account, let's say two parents have a child. You can give $15,000 per parent. That's a total of $30,000. And that ends up often becoming the upper limit contribution maximum for your 529 account. Now, I can understand if your eyes are rolling thinking, well, I'm already putting money into my 401k or my ESPP. I don't have any money left over to put in $30,000. Well, that's where the idea of crowdfunding your 529 comes in. What I mean by that is encouraging friends or family members to participate along with you in getting as much money as you can into your 529 account as early as possible. The 529 also has a very unique feature of something called a super funding, and that allows for you to put into up to five years of the gift tax exclusion amount. So again for a couple that's 30,000 times five that's a hundred and fifty thousand dollars 529s will let you put in one time $150,000. Now, of course, you can't make contributions for the subsequent five years. But the reason this is important is because you could go to your rich aunt Sally or maybe your benevolent grandparents and start asking them for money to crowdfund and superfund your 529 in the first five years of your child's life. And the whole reason for doing this is to give yourself enough time to let that money compound and grow tax-free where you really get the max benefit of this account. Let's just take my middle daughter, for example, Olivia. She's age two, and on her third birthday, what I anticipate doing is instead of asking for gifts and toys, because God knows I've got way too much of that in my house already, I'm going to politely solicit offerings to her 529 account. I get some grandparents on board, I get some close friends and maybe some other family members, and they can either write me a check or send me a money electronically. And then that'll be my one large payment into her 529 account for that year on her birthday. So let's use a few assumptions and start building out a model for how much we need to be putting in today on a monthly or yearly basis to fund little Olivia's college savings plan. As we talked before, college education, especially in California and for a private school, can be over fifty thousand dollars per year. And if we just assume over the next fifteen or so years that it's going to grow at an eight percent inflation rate, the cost for Olivia's school might be a staggering over a hundred and sixty thousand dollars per year. Which simply just makes me want to throw up. I don't know about you, but that seems like something's got to give, right? Is there a bubble in, in college education or, uh, man, I, maybe I just won't send her to college at all. Well, as much fun as it is for me to think about not having to pay that money, I also at the same time want to provide for my family, and I want for you to do the same with yours. And so let's realistically think about her college education costs. So for a four-year degree at $160,000 per year, what I mean is the 529, as we talked before, can only cover some of the educational costs for higher education. And so if we were to think about the $640,000 of total cost, we could break that into, let's say, three parts, and we could assume that payment for college might come in three different ways. It might first come from the 529. It could also come in the future from other sources of income or assets. Or third, it could come from some scholarship or financial aid. So you actually have three levers that you can pull on by the time that your student gets to age 18 and they're involved in college. Now, each of these three levers might look different for your family. But let's just pretend right now that we're going to have an equal third, a third, a third for our college expenses. And we're going to have financial aid, current income, and the 529 all be working together to help fund these educational costs. So one third of that 640000 is is just $192,000. Still quite a bit of money, but not the full 600000 plus. So in this example of trying to save to $190,000 for a 15-year period from now, let's do two scenarios and try to understand what we might need to put in on a yearly basis or even just as a one-time lump sum to get us to that point. Well, let's make some assumptions. Let's say again, in a 15-year time, we want our future value to be 190. And let's pretend today we do have some savings set aside. Let's say around $20,000 set aside. And we want to be conservative with our rate of return because we might have a high-risk rate of return now, but we need to scale it down as we get closer. So we can just use six as just a, as an example assumption. And if we start with 20000 We've got 15 years growing at 6%. We need to put in an additional $6,000 per year to get us to 190. And that for some might be a doable option. Let's pretend if you have the ability to front load this and put in a one time deposit that would be about $80,000, just under $80,000 as a one-time initial super fund crowd fund however you want to think about it that could be from you and your spouse and maybe some additional help from the grandparents and it would take that one-time deposit of 80,000 to grow for 15 years at 6% to get to 190 or maybe even just a combination of the two I hope that helps in giving some ideas for savings rates and a target to shoot for. And maybe this example is totally ridiculous because I'm counting high and planning very conservative on the educational cost. Nonetheless, let's just talk about a few other factors in regards to the 529 account. And let's just pretend that we have, for whatever reason, over-contributed to this account by the time that your kid gets to college. Maybe they've got a scholarship for sports or academics, or maybe they do two years of community college, or maybe they leave school early and become an entrepreneur or take over the family business. Whatever the case may be, a pretty neat feature of the 529 is the allowability or the the ability to transfer to family members within your bloodline. And continue to use that money for other people's college expenses. And what that might look like is, let's say your oldest child doesn't use all the money. You could move it to your second child. Um, You could even move it back to you and your spouse if you decide later on in life to go do some higher education. Uh, you could even keep it around and if your oldest uh, doesn't use it for their undergrad, if in a few years they decide to go back to school to pursue a graduate degree, you could use it again for that. Another scenario might be actually using it for private high school. This change came in in 2018 And if you're in a situation where you feel that uh, you may either have the future educational costs covered or you've got enough in the 529, by the time that your child gets to high school, if they're in a private high school, you can actually pull out $10,000 up to, that's a maximum, so you can take out up to a maximum of $10,000 completely tax-free and then put that towards the private high school tuition. Now, at the absolute worst case scenario, if this money doesn't get used for any of your children or for you, at the end of the day, the worst case would be withdrawing that money and the earnings that you had, so the growth between what you put in and what it is at some time in the future, that growth would be taxed at your ordinary income rates plus a 10% penalty. So certainly not something that would be enjoyable, but also not the end of the world. And now it's time for you to take action on the 529. You could find 529 accounts at all of the big brokerage companies, the Fidelity, Charles Schwab, Vanguard, TD Ameritrade's of the world. And be sure to do your homework on whether or not you're in a state that gets a state tax deduction or not. Again, in California, we don't. So you get to use a generic 529 plan that's not associated to any state in particular. And then you can start choosing investments based on your risk tolerance or maybe a time frame-based investment based on your child's age. And I encourage you today, I challenge you, talk to your spouse, get online, talk to your financial planner, and start running the numbers for what you might assume the education costs to be in the future back into an initial deposit that you can make in and automate your monthly savings and contributions and build that in, I know that if you do this process and you can execute on this, you are going to give a tremendous gift and you're going to be a good steward of your finances. And beyond that, you're going to be able to help teach your children about the ability to compound money and uh, provide for them a gift of higher education that I imagine they'll appreciate in years to come. So guys, with that, we've covered a lot today. The 529 account, it's the Roth of college savings. We've talked about uses for qualified educational expenses like tuition and books, but not things like travel or study abroad. And we've talked about a few saving strategies. So I'd love your feedback. You can look me up on LinkedIn or you can shoot me an email. John.chapman at wpwm.com. And with that, we'll see you all here next week. Thanks for tuning in to the John Chapman Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. We encourage your questions, comments, and feedback. For additional information, check out the John Chapman show.com or look for John on LinkedIn and Twitter. See you next week.